This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, June 23rd, and today... We'll be reviewing Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals, a very exciting finish with way too many replay reviews, and we'll be taking one last look at the Hawks-Bucks series ahead of Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, plus some quick thoughts on the NBA Draft Lottery, which went down on Tuesday night. All that and more is coming up in just a second. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined now by Ryan Knaus and Steve Alexander. And guys, normally I do this podcast, I'm about probably about 45-minute drive away from you, Steve. Today, I, Ryan, am, I think, about a 45-minute drive away from you. I'm in your state. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. You're just vacationing in Maine? Yes. I sent you multiple text messages uh, that I was here, and I think the cell phone reception doesn't work in this state. You guys need to get it checked out. Well, awkward timing because my phone was shattered two days ago and I had to replace it and have a new one sent to me. So I am still like logging into every single app and figuring all that out. So I saw that I had a couple messages from from you that wouldn't download. So that this now explains it. Um, If you are still around for a couple days, I would absolutely love to meet up, Matt. Yeah, we'll get it done. I also sent you, I did, I think the issue is I sent you a photo of a local Maine beer and I was like, I'm trying the local delicacies here. And since there was a picture attached, I think that that threw everything haywire. That's that's what it was. I hope we'll, it was Bissell we'll Brothers. The, that's some great beer. It, it, we'll work these details uh, out offline. It was Bissell Brothers. <laughs> Steve, do you feel left out already now that Ryan and I have had such a great little catch up? Well, no. And uh, I've come to, like, I'm a text guy. Like, don't ever call me on the telephone unless something is on fire <laughs> or somebody is somebody needs help like right now. unless it's unless it's 90 seconds to air and you're not here then call you on the phone yeah then it's a that's a phone call situation right 
Um, yeah. But I'm a text guy, but I've noticed, like, I'll text Ryan, and sometimes I, I may hear back from him, like, a day later or something, and I'm just like, I'm just a, a text text guy. That's true. Ryan is That's not the got. speediest. Ryan is not a super text guy. Ryan, he's not a super text. I think if you want to reach Ryan, the fastest way is <laughs> to fax him. Send him <laughs> a fax if the, you want to reach him. Is this the theme of the pod? It's a tech intervention. You guys need me to get on. Yeah, play ball. That's why we brought you here today, Ryan. Right. <laughs> Ryan has twin babies to deal with. He doesn't have time to text me. There's that my, my nonsense at three a.m. I don't actually know if it's true, but I do love the idea that Ryan is confounded by cell phone technology. And I'm just, I don't actually want to be dispelled of that illusion. <laughs> let's if it not is start illusion. that. Let's not start that. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get into what went down on Tuesday night. It was the Suns 104, the Clippers 103 in a wild game, a game that featured, count them, six replay reviews in the final two minutes. The Suns win it on a DeAndre Ayton lob, an amazing pass from Jay Crowder on that play. All of that late madness, the re- the reviews, the, the exciting finish, almost overshadowed a career night for Campaign, who had 29 points, nine dimes filling in for Chris Paul. Ryan, what stood out to you overall from this game? Oh, that's that's a tough question to answer. As you said, there were so many high points. I mean, you could even talk about a guy like Luke Kennard scoring 10 points in the fourth yeah. quarter out of the blue. Paul George was brilliant until he wasn't missing those two free throws. There was so much to love. DeAndre Ayton was an absolute beast. Devin Booker breaks his nose and still comes through in the clutch, sets that key screen to free up uh, Ayton for what's instantly being called the Valley Oop. Uh, just a brilliant, <laughs> a brilliant play where apparently some of the players, including Rajon Rondo and Aiton himself, did not realize that you can't have an offensive goaltending on an inbounds pass because it's not a shot. Um, so it was just chaos. And then after, after, like immediately after the game, they played Monty Williams in the huddle before that play, saying, "You know, DeAndre, if Jay Crowder throws the ball, you need to kind of try to dunk it." <laughs> so he was just following following his coach's orders, did exactly that, and ended up coming away with the game winner. So much to talk about in this game. Uh, it was thrilling with, as you mentioned, Matt, the exception of those interminable video reviews. Let's speed it up, guys. I like how Ryan's like, yeah, Devin Booker accidentally breaks his nose. Devin Booker didn't break his nose. Patrick Beverly broke Devin well. Booker's nose. <laughs> and, and and I know you know that. I, I'm just saying. It, it reminds me of, uh, what's the movie, American... Um, oh shoot, I'm not gonna Pie? Kevin Spacey's like psycho history. You, she's like, You lost your job. He's like, Oh no, it's not like I just Lester uh Beauty. Yeah, American Beauty. It's not like I lost my job. It's not like, oh, where'd my job go? I lost, I quit my job, you know, that whole <laughs> argument. But uh Patrick Beverly's the only guy I think capable of being in a defensive stance and sliding and playing defense and still able to crush someone's nose with his face <laughs> whether he did it on purpose is up for debate but man patrick beverly is like he's the guy that you if he's on your team you kind of probably like him and if he's not on your team he's the total villain but um so there's so many things that happen in the game that are incredible and like I, I think my favorite story is just cameron Payne. you know he was sort of run out of the nba he was playing in china last year Look like he may never play in the NBA again. And now he has a career night uh, in the Western Conference Finals. And basically, you know, without him, they don't win that game. And the other Cameron on the Suns that is getting no love and no nobody's talking about him is Cameron Johnson, who was five for five and, and hit a three-pointer, um, scored 11 points, some big ones down the stretch. And just what a game. Like, it was so fun to watch. And I don't know how you could watch – 
this Suns team play and not not be a huge Suns fan. And, and lastly, DeAndre Ayton after the game, you know, he got interviewed at half court, and he's just such a nice guy and soft spoken and smiling. And you know, when he went up to dunk it, he like baby tapped it into the basket because I think he was scared of getting called for goaltending like nobody on either team knew if that was a goaltending or not which was pretty cool I think everybody learned something last night yeah Aiton was scared of goaltending if he was scared of goaltending he goaltended the hell out of it I mean like (laughs) it wasn't a goaltend obviously but like if he was trying not to goaltend it it's like well and I think you sense that he was like "Uh oh did I just do something wrong there as for campaign I mean, as a fellow lefty, I just have to appreciate the number of weird scoop shots this guy hit. <laughs> lefty scoops for days. That up and under one was awesome. Uh, he was pretty electric. And I got to say, I mean, with all the things that have happened, it's hard to know. Do we remember this as the eight and alley-oop game, the campaign game, or the Devin Booker nose game? I just, I don't know. I can't decide which one it is. Or the Paul George choked free throws game. And, and before, if the Clippers would have won, it would have been the Patrick Beverly game. Yeah, or the Paul George game. I mean, he he did put them in the lead. Like, I think he had six yeah. points in a row to put them in the lead and then blew those free throws. So it was a true roller coaster just for him within that last couple minutes. Well, I'm Paul- going gonna, gonna to nominate DeAndre Ayton for this one. Just that, that final play, the exhilaration, the confusion of it. I mean, that was an epic moment. And then he also kind of, I think, turned the tide in the third quarter. Obviously, the Clippers fought back. But he had just an epic couple-minute stretch where – he did it on both ends of the court, four or five possessions in a row, and just opened up a bit of a bit of breathing space for the Suns, who at times in this game looked a little bit tight. Do, do you guys agree? Like Chris Paul's absence was felt, even though campaign had a brilliant game. Obviously, he now has 18 assists and one turnover through two wow. games in this series, just playing his heart out. Um, but there are times where you you know you need uh, another steady hand at the at the rudder in a playoff game when things get tight and if Chris Paul comes back for game three. I mean, we've seen the Clippers escape 0-2 holes before. Obviously, yes, I have. don't think this is going to be another one. Uh, the Clippers have them right where they want them, Ryan. I think you're uh, I think you're <laughs> wrong here. Also, that had to have been the pass of Jay Crowder's life, by the way, right? I mean, I mentioned that off the top that it was an incredible pass, but that was truly, I mean, from the, from the sideline, like, I haven't seen a, an angle from behind him, but what angle he was throwing that at. But that thing might have hit the rim if if not touched for Aiden. I mean, that was truly an unbelievable on-point pass. And Jay Crowder, to, to our knowledge, is not really a passer. I mean, that's so that's what makes it all the more astonishing, Steve. I don't even know if it would have hit the rim. It almost looked like it was going to swish. Yeah, and if you I heard do, people saying that, too. If you do see the replay from behind, you will ask yourself, DeMarcus Cousins, what are you doing because he's standing in f- directly in front of him like this, and the basket's over over to his right. And, and Cousins should have been guarding the ball's path right. to the basket because everybody knew they only had enough time pretty much for an alley-oop or, or something close to it. So I don't know why Boogie was, was not – he was face-guarding the ball instead of, of trying to stop it from getting uh, to the rim, which was weird, but – the other thing I noted about the Jay Crowder pass is, first of all, what an incredible pass. And if you watch the replay of that and watch his reaction, he just like, it's almost like Larry Bird when he won the three-point contest and put his finger in the air. Like Crowder didn't, didn't pump. He didn't smile. He just put his, put his like finger in the air and was like, yeah, I knew that was good. Like he didn't even, he didn't do anything. Like he just knew the pass was perfect when he threw it. 
a couple people I know have pointed out the Suns really got a free time out there, which if totally. you know with the review, yeah. which if you're a Clippers fan, you're absolutely furious about because clearly, I mean, maybe they had that play in their back pocket already, but it really gave them some time to get it dialed in and and they executed. Yeah, but the Clippers also had like three free timeouts. Also, like uh, I mean, everybody everyone, had. Free I got a free timeout. Timeouts. I got a free timeout at the end there. I mean, it was it, free timeouts for everyone. Oprah. Marcus Morris, by the way, three for 11, possibly playing through the knee issue. We've talked about him as a barometer for the Clippers. So another tough game for him. Reggie Jackson was pretty good again with 19 points. And uh, just one more note, uh, per Dave McMenamin of ESPN, the Suns are optimistic that they could get Chris Paul back for game three. So they they took two games without him, and now they may get him back. It's just, man, things are things are really looking up for Phoenix, aside from that Clippers down 0-2 narrative, if you want to buy into that one, Ryan. I mean, absolutely. And now Chris Paul comes back and you have campaign shifting to the second unit with renewed confidence, to say the least. Uh, you've also got Dario Saric, who's established that he's too big and strong. If if Zubats is off the court, he can dominate the paint in this series. Nick Batum can't stop him. Marcus Morris is, is ailing. You could tell he's a little bit limited, so that kind of limits his uh, already undersized ability to play the five. So. The Clippers, I mean, t- to Coach Ty Lue's credit, he's been unorthodox in his thinking. He's been unafraid to make changes on the fly, constantly tweaking the lineup. We saw two big changes last night for game two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what wrinkles he tries to to put out there. But, you know, the, the Clips may be running out of gas. These injuries are piling up. Yet another 0-2 hole. It's, it's a tall order. I, I don't see any way. Like, no team had ever come back from two in a row Oh, two holes, correct? And I think that's I think that's right. They're, they're trying to do it three times. There, I just don't see how that's possible. Also, your guy, your stud, your eighty-eight percent free throw shooting in the playoffs, Paul George. You know, your rock, five of ten from the free throw line last night. I'm gonna get my wife's uh, pink blindfold out. I'm gonna go over to Park and Rec. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot ten. Go I'm gonna shoot ten oh. free throws today. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if I can hit five of blindfolded. I don't know. I might be able to. Well, your other percentage was fifteen for sixty-seven, right? So that puts you at about a less than a twenty-five percent clip. So I've got you down for two makes out of ten. So let me know when how I, that goes. When I was practicing, though, I hit four out of my first five, and then it all went downhill. Steve, do you know how many Paul George makes when he's practicing? When the lights are on, it's a different story. It's a good point. Just because this is a fantasy podcast, first and foremost, though we dial that back for the playoffs, I wanted to just quickly talk to you guys about DeAndre Ayton, because as good of a real-life playoffs as he's having, I mean, there's no impact, uh, there's no question about his impact on Phoenix's success, I just wanted to say, from a fantasy standpoint, I still have a bit of a caution flag here, because we've had this conversation a few times over the past few weeks about whether Ayton is moving the needle for you in fantasy with his you know, some of his outstanding games he's having when it comes to drafting him in fantasy next year. But if anything, I feel like I'm starting to be reminded that he may just get overdrafted again because I'm looking at his playoff numbers and we're looking at 16.3 points per game, 10.8 boards, 72.6% from the field. So that's all pretty good. However, just 0.5 steals per game, Ryan, and 0.5 blocks, it almost feels like Aiton is playing great in real life, but this is still not a viable blueprint for like early round fantasy value that we're seeing. No, you're absolutely right. It's the same story because he's a doubled, a walking double-double with elite field goal percentage, pretty good free throw percentage typically for a big man, although 
pretty lousy yeah, 60, in the, in the 60 playoffs. 60-something? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, and then just the lack of supporting stats. You mentioned it. I mean, he's had, I think, a total of five assists in the uh, last round in the first couple games of this round. Not getting the defensive stats, and that's the big one. If you have a center who's not going to block shots, doesn't get unorthodox out-of-position steals, a la Andre Drummond, someone like that, um, <laughs> where is that extra value coming from? And with eight, and it's tough to answer. And yes, he took you know, almost accepted intentionally a smaller role offensively this year for the betterment of the team, focused on real world defense, uh, help defense and positional defense, all those sorts of things that don't show up in the box score, but that's not going to help fantasy owners. So, right. Uh, although I still love him as a player, I'm with you, Matt, I think better in reality than fantasy until we see him start putting up those uh, supporting stats. I'm going to be hesitant to touch him in the early rounds. I'm with you guys. The needle has moved for me some, though, because I don't think as a young player, he's so young. He was in the Luka draft, so what, three years? It's the trade. You mean the trade draft? Is that Sorry, the Luka trade draft? And okay, it was, okay. by the way, I went through and was looking at that draft last night. Pretty ridiculous. It's unbelievable. If you throw Marvin Bagley, <laughs> if you if you throw him back into the ocean from where whence he came, like the rest of that draft is frightening. Like it's it's amazing. But um, I, I think the amount of confidence that. Aiton has gained in, in the last nine or 10 games of these playoffs is insurmountable and immeasurable, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. And I don't know if he's going to start stealing and blocking more next season, but he's going to have an offseason where they're going to work on his game. And sort of like Ben Simmons, they're going to try to rebuild Ben Simmons from, from you know scratch, I guess. Aiton's not in that boat, but they're going to work. Aiton's going to work on things he's not very good at. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. He's young enough. Um, I'm not f- afraid to draft him, um, you know, mid rounds at all. His his ADP last year, I think what Matt is sort of referring to, his ADP was 21. Oh lord, so yes, that's why. Because that people, is what I'm pe- referring to. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah. drafting him at 21. No, right. <laughs> So we're yeah, I've calling. forgotten that his ADP was was that high. That's yeah, ridiculous. I've, I've taken a, taken an, an L on him in thirty our thirty team league the last two years. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm going to go the other direction now and take take the loss if he puts up early round value. And Steve, you ended your your remarks there by saying I'll take him in the mid rounds. Hundred yeah. percent agree there. I mean, yeah. there's a certain point where I will draft Aiton uh, because he's quite serviceable. I just don't know that. I've given up on his fantasy ceiling until I see it. That's that's my point. And I forgot we had this conversation because I think I took Ja Morant in 30 deep, and then yes. you took DeAndre Ayton, and we both uh, did not do anything this season. Yeah, we were high-fiving ourselves, and then we, uh, and then we <laughs> failed. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right. Wednesday night. That is about eight hours and 12-ish minutes from this Big moment. If you're, if you're keeping track, it's the Hawks and the Bucks. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, Ryan, Steve and I talked about this one in some detail the other day. Uh, Steve, trader that he has picked against the Hawks. Oh, wait. Nope. That was <laughs> me who did that. Uh, anyhow, I wanted to get your thoughts on this series, Ryan. Any matchups or angles you are specifically interested in here? Sure. So I, that means Steve thinks the Hawks will Steve escape took the, again. Steve took the Hawks in seven, I think, and I took the Bucks in six, I believe. That, that, um, my take would align with yours, Matt, I think. You know, all credit to the Hawks, and I, I picked them to beat the Sixers. Uh, so I, I'm on board with the amount of talent they have. I'm just afraid that the injuries are going to catch up to them, right? Cam, Cam Reddish. DeAndre Hunter goes down. That's a huge blow that hasn't maybe been felt fully yet. Bogdan Bogdanovich now dealing with injury. At what point do they just sort of run out of depth? Uh, yes, go, Matt? I was going to say Cam Reddish. Just going to jump in. Questionable for this game as of this taping, as of this oh, episode. We could see Cam play. He, he hasn't been ruled out or, or ruled in, but there's a chance that Cam Reddish plays for the first time since February in this game, as of right now. Nice. I would assume he would be in there for just defensive chaos reasons get a handful of minutes try to try to muddy things up if you can uh but the i guess the key matchup for me is going to be drew holiday of course it takes team defense to even approach limiting trey young at this point uh but you've got an all nba defender in drew holiday who you can throw on him make life very very difficult the hawks obviously escaped game seven versus philly despite trey having a terrible game for most of it shooting wise i don't know that they're going to get away with that versus Milwaukee with a, a pretty healthy Bucks team obviously down Dante DiVincenzo so they have a little bit of their own problems but you know the, the Bucks are cruising right now well-oiled machine I think this is the end of the road for Atlanta I think that the Hawks can win this series but they don't have a huge margin for error and they I said the other day when Steve and I were recording a preview for this they need Bogdan Bogdanovich closer to what he you know, closer to his peak levels. You can say whatever you want about, oh, well, they got by Philly without him. He was 8 for 28 for 17 total points over the last three games of that Sixers series, and the Hawks survived. But I think they need that guy making shots. They don't need him at the level he was at down the stretch of the season when he was hitting absolutely everything, but they need something better than what they got at the end of that Sixers series. I'll split the difference. If they have Bogdanovich for 15 points per game, you know, hitting... 36 37 percent of his threes that would just be massive for this team another threat because you know the bucks are gonna are gonna make the other guys beat them and i think gallinari will will play well in this series i expect him to i you know i think collins and capella i think capella's life is about to get a lot easier now that he's not dealing with Embiid anymore and so i do think there is a path for the hawks but they need to make shots in this series and and they really didn't that much against the Sixers, as you said, but they still escaped. I don't. I don't think that'll work against the Bucks. You got to make your shots. Yeah, you're right on the Bogdanovich thing. I mean, it was cognitive dissonance between him making every shot he put up seemingly for weeks, and then suddenly missing open jumpers, presumably because of the injury. To your Capella point, real quick though, I think it might be tougher 
matchup than you think because Brooke is such a proficient three-point shooter. He's going to suck Capella out of the paint in a way that Embiid does not really do. The teams are willing to live if Embiid's going to shoot 40% from three, so be it. Uh, but Brooke Lopez is going to draw Capella out, open up that paint a little bit, and that's going to be another key angle for me in this series. You know, I, listening to you guys, I feel like did the Hawks not just beat the number one seeded team in the East? I mean, did they not beat them even though they didn't play that well and shot like everybody is like, well, I just, I still think the Hawks are not getting any respect. They're eight point underdogs tonight. <laughs> I think I'm taking the points all day long. Okay. Trey, everybody's like, like oh, that. oh, Giannis. Oh, Giannis is coming. We're all scared. Trey Young is just as big of a problem as Giannis is, if not more of a problem, because Giannis is one dimensional. Giannis is not, yeah, let Giannis shoot wow. threes. Giannis is not going to hit that little fadeaway mid range that Embiid hits. Giannis is just going to be banging inside, put bodies on him, slow him down. Uh, I think the Drew Holiday Trey Young matchup is is key. And if Drew can't stop Trey, then I think PJ Tucker is going to get a shot at it. But you know. Everybody is scared of Giannis. Nobody's talking about Trey. I, nobody wants to play Trey Young. And anybody I, who's played him, you talk, you talk to anybody on the Knicks and you talk to anybody on the Sixers, they're like, uh, Giannis, he's your problem now. Good luck. Because I don't know, man. I, the Hawks this, don't. Are, the Hawks is, are too young to understand that they can lose. Like I, I feel good. I'm ready this, to go. This, all right, I got, I got to jump in. Then you can go. I think this is my favorite thing to happen on this podcast, all playoffs, is I think Steve just accused me of disrespecting the Hawks, which is hilarious. In no way, in no way was I disrespecting the Hawks. I was saying I think they can win this series. I just don't think they have a very big margin for error at all. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to say, it's like I don't know if Steve is psyching himself up with a straw man kind of argument, because... I'm hearing a lot about Trey Young and how good he is, and there's ice in his veins, and he's he's glaring at away crowds while ripping out yeah. the hearts of teams. I mean, there there have been like overly effusive odes written about him in the past <laughs> couple weeks. So Song. I, yeah. I, I I think yeah yeah there's some uh, troubadours singing about him. The gambling market is disrespecting the Hawks. I guess is a fair way to put it because the Bucks are heavy heavy favorites to win the series right. and heavy favorites to win Game One. But weren't the Knicks heavy favorites to beat the Hawks? And weren't the Sixers heavy favorites not, to beat the not Knicks? This, I think this one's more lopsided, I believe. You don't the Sixers had to be heavy, heavy I think, favorites. I think the odds on this series are more tilted in favor of Milwaukee, if I remember correctly. I would have to go back and check. The odds at the start of the series to win the series. Okay. I think. But it's a fair point to say that Philly was not supposed to lose to Atlanta. No. Yes. No, is. they weren't. They weren't. <laughs> at all. It wasn't supposed to be close. So. They weren't. And, and I mean, what's it going to be? Because for the Hawks, the formula became Simmons melting down late and Embiid to some extent melting down late after, you know, Embiid's numbers were monstrous, but, you know, he was piling up turnovers late in those games and missing shots late in some of those games. So what's it going to be for the Hawks? Where do they go to find some kind of advantage in this series? You know? Hack, hack Giannis. I don't know. Although we saw him hit, what, seven straight in a key game versus the Nets. So, yeah maybe not as effective i mean you're not going to rattle him the way ben simmons just looks shook i don't want to pile on the poor guy but that that was obvious different caliber so i mean matt to steve's point about disrespect respecting the hawks you're saying they are relying on the other team to fold <laughs> to to melt down for a victory well no that's i guess that's not necessarily what i'm saying but i mean that is what happened in a couple of those sixers games right i mean 
I think the Hawks are the Hawks fight, the Hawks scrap. You know, you can you can also give them a lot of credit for coming back from those, you know, huge deficits, which a team doesn't and just give that to should. you. You still have to get those points back. Right. So I don't think the Bucks will beat themselves in the way that Philly did. I'll I'll say that. I think maybe that's what I mean. I think maybe that's that's what I was saying. A much more concise way of saying what I was trying to say. But I just I'm just <laughs> sick of Steve disrespecting the Hawks overall, and and I think we need okay. to put an end to this. Well, to your point, that I mean, the, the Hawks blew the Sixers out in Game One at Philly when Danny Green was attempting to guard a healthy Trey Young at that point. But after that, I mean, it was sort of an ugly ugly basketball series. Like it, they, you guys can say that the Sixers fell apart and let the Hawks win, but the Hawks weren't exactly doing much better i mean they weren't shooting the ball well trade really wasn't shooting the ball well bogey disappeared for a while um the other thing that i think still gets lost in the shuffle is i I think cam reddish coming back and playing tonight which i think he's going to do um is another body off the bench and a, a buddy of mine who was at the suns game last night we were talking on his drive home and he's like i'm worried about the hawks because their bench is so young and i was like danilo gallinari Lou Williams, Tony Lou Snell, Williams. Solomon Hill. Like, none of those guys are young. They're all old, scrappy guys. So, I, I don't know what. I mean, a Kong I don't know Wu, if that. A Kong Wu is young, but he's looked like a veteran. So, I don't. He's also yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cam, uh, Cam Reddish, my concern is he hasn't played a game in four months and two days. Yeah. How do you throw yeah. him in against Chris Middleton and expect him to get stops in a playoff? You know, that's a tough spot to put a young what guy. What you do is you put him in. Solomon Hill doesn't play every game off the bench. You put him in if you were going to give Solomon Hill minutes, those minutes should go to mm. Cam Reddish. The seven minutes that Solomon Hill would have played, give him to Reddish because, yeah, I'll take a rusty Reddish. I'll take a and rusty Reddish. Reddish, Reddish has been healthy now for a week or so. Uh, yeah. And they didn't want to put him in cold, you know, but now they've had a couple of days off, time to work, you know, just integrate him in a little bit. But to Matt's point, I'd much rather see Reddish out there than Snell or Solomon Hill, honestly. All right. Well, that game now starts in about eight hours and two minutes. So uh, so let's start getting ourselves mentally prepared quickly. The NBA draft lottery also happened on Tuesday night, fellas. And we don't have to go too deep into it, but just want to say Ben Wallace and the Pistons defeated Hakeem Olajuwon and the Rockets. And Detroit will pick first overall. It's Detroit picking first, Houston picking second, Cleveland picking third, Toronto picking fourth. We can talk Cade Cunningham in a second, who is the presumed number one pick to the Pistons. But I have to say, the spectacle of that lottery was so tremendous with the cutaways to the representatives. Just kind of the awkward looks on their faces as they weren't getting the number one pick was a a true delight to me, Ryan. Yes, there was one. I I forget which team it was. I think the Pelicans, maybe, and where there was just open disappointment on display. Swin Cash, maybe? Was that Swin Cash? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Unaware, they're on television or something. I don't know, it's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love those unvarnished live looks. Like, no, not everyone should be thrilled by dropping multiple spots in the the lottery. You know, react accordingly. Miles Bridges also made a fantastic, weird, goofy face after the Hornets (laughs) pick went off the board. It was just, it was such great awkward theater all around for that two minutes they were going through that steve anything from you on the lottery itself um no the lottery is one of my favorite things because of what you guys just talked about and i actually took a nap and missed the lottery if you can believe it oh man you got to watch it back steve some of some of these cutaways were really great yeah and i i always love uh hopping on twitter and and talking trash about what's going on 
at the draft lottery show because you know these people aren't used to being on tv and somebody's got a weird lucky charm with them and somebody's wearing a weird jacket it's it's always it's always a good time so i'm kind of sad that i missed it so we'll have a lot of time to talk draft prospects in the future it seems like kate cunningham is you know being projected to go to the pistons my big thing I haven't fully deep-dived the Cade Cunningham thing. He put up really good numbers overall uh, in college. But I couldn't, I can't stop thinking about the fact that he went 9 for 34 in two NCAA tournament games, Ryan. That's just kind of stuck with me. And he just didn't look good when the games mattered most. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I'm an expert on him at all. But that's just stuck with me. And I I need to kind of be convinced that... uh, I need to be reconvinced that he's going to be a star. So I'm going to watch some video in the days and weeks ahead. But that's just my initial thought. I'm in the same boat, Matt, because the the limited sample size I've seen from him, like, wow, you know, incredible potential, some interesting tools. But again, from the very small amount of games I've seen him play, there were some weaknesses, some struggles with the shooting that seemed yeah. like an aberration for a number one player. Then again, you read some of the scouting reports and guys who have poured over his video for right. for the past year and more, and you come away with this glowing review of a guy who can be a lead on-ball playmaker, who can be a lead scorer if you need him to be, who's a versatile defender, who can just, you know, has the size that's, I think, six seven six eight from the lead guard spot. So, I guess to your point, if you want to uh, reform your opinion of him, just read some of the the right. scouting reviews, including our own edge colleagues who uh, have better, more informed takes than we do. Because when it comes to draft lottery, I suddenly realize, oh, I need to deep dive, do my homework, catch up on all these prospects so that we know when they land in a certain situation, who might they impact? Like how does Cade landing in Detroit impact Killian Hayes, who I probably wouldn't touch for fantasy anyway, but that type of cascading effect. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's no reason to sugarcoat this. I mean, we're NBA fantasy guys. We don't, we don't, we don't sit and watch every college basketball game that happens, but you know, the interesting thing about being the number one pick, first of all, Cunningham has said he's only going to work out for the Pistons, but Number one used to be a lock. Like, number one was, like, if you go number one, you're going to be the man and you're going to have a great season. But we've seen number ones, especially some who can't shoot free throws and whatnot, struggle and and have issues. We've seen we've seen them get bounced out of the NBA in a relatively short amount of time. Sometimes it's number two or number three that happens to. But, you know, last time I remember the Pistons having a really high pick like this was Darko. <laughs> <laughs> the Darko draft, and that did not go well. Um, no. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully, Kate Cunningham does not pull a Darko. I don't think he will. I mean, the other thing I'll say about my last thought on this whole thing is I'm not. It hasn't been so long that I forget what happened with Anthony Edwards. I was super and Lamelo Ball. Like I was super worried about those percentages coming into the NBA. So I'm not going to overreact to like a couple horrendous shooting games in the NCAA tournament from Kate Cunningham, where he was a decent shooter in college, and I think he shot 40 percent on threes. So Overall, you probably go with the bigger sample size, and, and but I just yeah I, I have had a little trouble shaking those those bad t- those shaky tournament games. But overall, I think you probably trust the much larger sample with this guy. And then what? Houston got the number two pick, mm-hmm. right? That yep. sounds like it's going to be Jalen Green. Is that the is that what or you Evan, Evan Evan Mobley? It's a mobile yeah. center can kind of do it all. Seems like a good fit. Maybe next to Christian Wood. I'm not certain about that but they they kind of experimented with that too big look with kelly olenek all second half of last season and it worked out great 
Um, so maybe that gives them even more confidence to pair another true big next to Wood. Yeah, could be. I mean, anyone who had Kelly Olenek on their team down the stretch is just hoping he's back with Houston in the same role. But I think that's in peril at this point. <laughs> that yeah. was like that was like a fever dream, right? That was that was too good to be true. That Kelly Olenek that even happened, Ryan. <laughs> it happened, Matt. But. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been chemically induced uh, mass hallucination for all of us. I don't know. Um, I was all gonna... I was all over Kelly Olynyk last year, boys. Was my no, guy. no. I mean, I had him on some teams, but it's like, would you even draft like Olynyk? What is he a top one hundred guy? Maybe next year. It depends where he is. But yeah, in a vacuum, yeah. you're not targeting Olynyk as a top seventy five guy, even whereas he finished the year like top ten. I want to say over the past couple months. Yeah, he was just destroying it down the stretch depends on where he is yeah yeah all right well much more to come on that much more to come on the nba playoffs that is going to do it for us on this episode though don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a second to rate and review us as well we'll be back here on friday with our reactions to hawks bucks game one and clippers suns game three thanks for listening on the podcast and for watching live on youtube ryan steve thanks to both of you guys we'll see you on friday All right, if you guys end up somewhere drinking a beer together, I better get a FaceTime. (laughs) Done deal. Will do, Matt. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 